Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to when you want to hear the latest on the most peculiar topics from angels to aliens, shadow people to hat man, and all of the in-betweens. If you have a story or an experience or research or a book that you'd like to talk about here on this program, you are invited to go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com and tell me about it. And if you want to be a guest physically on this show, you can do that as well. But it is so fascinating to me how so many people are very, very much more confident when they are writing me an email, which is fine. I don't mind. I don't mind reading it off here. So if that's what you feel like doing, go right ahead. But again, I'm always open. And you know what? I want you to also find me on the social media platforms that are out there. Most of them, like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I have a one in front of my name. So one, Heidi Hollis, and uh, write me. I chat back and forth all the time and people are always surprised. I'm like, why? If I'm here, I will get back to you. So feel free to reach out to me there as well. And uh, I tell you, you know what? Today is very special because guess what? This is my one year anniversary show. Yes. Yes. The crowd goes wild. I see them. I am so excited. And uh, wow. It has been an absolute honor and blast to be part of the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. To be one of three hosts on this network has been like, it's just, it's just an honor. I'm, I'm just blown away that I have the opportunity. And guess what? Yeah. It's not going to end. I just renewed. So, hey, (laughs) everybody's like, hold on. You know, what's going on here? I got a few emails from folks like, are you like ending? I mean, is this going on still? Yes, I am going to continue into 2022. Can you believe it? Can you believe we have made it to 2022? We're going into the third year of COVID as well. But you know what? We're not going to focus on the negative. No, no, no. Not for my one-year anniversary show. No way. 
Um, so <laughs> I want to keep the party rolling. And, uh, you know, I'm so appreciative for all of you for tuning in and for sending in your multiple emails and all the conversations and all the well wishings and letting me know, too, that this has made a difference for them doing this show and uh, informing the masses of what their neighbor is experiencing. I mean, how else are we going to figure and find this all out? Not everybody is tapping into the internet and posting up their story. No, no, no. They don't always want to be traced back. Uh, a lot of people are not putting their stuff into books. This is the venue. This is the place. So let me know what is going on. And I'm telling you, the more details, the better. People are always apologizing. I'm sorry this email's too long. I'm like, no, no, no pile it on because it is so much better instead of guessing like, hmm, wonder what they mean, what this is, what it looked like, how did it smell, what was the feel, what was going on in their lives. Do other people experience this in their family? It really helps to paint a picture. And I think others who are listening to this program from the feedback that I've gotten, it also helps them to better decipher too. They see the patterns. They see what I'm talking about. It's not always just uh, me sitting here going, hmm, oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's really uh, a fascinating uh, way for us all to get some insight on these various experiences that people are having. And guess what today is going to be all about? One of my favorite shows, not answering just emails. No, I'm not doing that this time. I do love that. Those are my favorites. Okay, I have to admit it. But it is the season and it is the one year anniversary episode. So we're going to talk about miracles. How about that? I am going to share with you some of the things that I personally have witnessed to be miraculous and let me tell you, there's a ton. Um, I'm not going to hit them all. And uh, also share some stories that I've come across that have been very impressive to me. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that we pay attention to the little miracles that we have in our lives. And they're not always big, major woohoo stories, you know, put it out there on the news. Sometimes they're rather personal. Sometimes they're rather unprovable, too. They're just something that we know happened, something that we know took place. And we wonder about them, don't we? I mean, it's there is that sense. I know for myself anyways, like I wish there were other eyeballs that witnessed everything that I did. And one of the reasons why I've written so many books that I have, because I, I think that I could just squeeze out the words in the right form that will hit the right button for people to understand. I'm really trying to paint the picture um, because it's it's so, uh, so overwhelming to me. If I put it in a book, it moved me. And uh, I hope that it moves people in a similar fashion or even a hint of a fashion. Um, <laughs> but it's not easy. And I get it. There's a lot of trust and faith that goes to, into um, people sharing their stories. There's a lot of trust and faith when we hear about reports, though, too. When we hear about news, when we hear about science, when we hear about uh, any kind of facts or figures. Uh, the bank, is it really sitting in there? Do I really have that? I mean, we take the word of a lot of things, of a lot of people, a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, how do we let it become real? I guess accepting it, huh? I guess, uh, allowing it to sink in, eh? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's a process, but there is, uh, there's a level of, uh, suspicion that goes with 
all of those different topics and all those different categories too, because some people believe more than the next, right? Uh, some people don't trust their neighbors telling the truth. I, I sometimes uh, wonder and think, how do we get over these lumps of disbelief when it comes to anything, to anything? Uh, it's a personal process, isn't it? It is a personal process. And uh, we grow, we learn. And uh, I think that's how we expand our knowledge, expand our faith in a lot of things, or disbelief in a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. So wow, again, one year anniversary show and moving on to the second. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There are three of us on this network thus far. And uh, yeah, I think um, I think it's going well. I've been enjoying myself. I hope you guys are too. And uh, you know what? I think what I'm going to do right now I'm going to start off with one of my miracles that, uh, you know, when you look at it from the outside, you're like, was that really a miracle? When I experienced it, it sure was. When uh, my family members witnessed it, it sure was. And I have so many to go through. I, I'm just going to I'm going to hit on a few of them. OK, uh, yes, I've written books on some of them. And let me tell you, these past couple of years have been jam packed with miracles that um Whew, there's no way to get it out except to put it in a book. So I'm going to be doing that uh, actually sooner than later. But okay, here's the first one. Okay, um, <laughs> this one is is a short one. Okay, next next uh, segment I'm going to go into a more detailed one that um, is really moving for myself. Okay, but imagine. Okay, I was mm, I think I was about 15 years old or so, and. Uh, my younger sister, a couple of years younger than myself. Uh, I was never a big phone person, but my younger sister and older sister, and hold on, all of my siblings were big phone people, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't cordless type of phone. It was like the type where it was in the wall, okay? So your freedom on the phone was as far as that cord on the wall went, okay? <laughs> so my sisters got creative in the way that they would talk on the phone. And I mean, very creative. I don't care if it was the kitchen counter. Sometimes they're sitting there on top of it, uh, laying down until uh, our parents came into the room and said, get off of there. Uh, laying on the couch, laying on the floor and all over the place. Okay. And um, it, it was, uh, it was a, it was a school night. Yeah, it was a school night. And I was ironing uh, my clothes for the next day. I was pretty, um, pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, stringent about doing that for myself or my uh, my parents. I would iron their clothes sometimes too. I wasn't OCD, I swear. I just, uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and so I was ironing the clothes and uh, I had the big, heavy metal iron. You know what I mean? Like this thing is very heavy. Steam is constantly seeming to pour out of it. And... Uh, I had the ironing board was up, okay? And my younger sister, I you know, I'm it's it's secure. I have this this iron on the ironing board and it's up against the counter and uh it was it was all good, right? I walked away and my younger sister, I walked away to get clothes, more clothes to iron. And my younger sister decided to hop on the phone. And what is she doing? She's laying on the floor. And decides to wiggle around while she's on the phone and um, 
and she gets really like underneath this ironing board. Okay. And uh, I'm coming into the room and I see she's like laughing and, you know, jiggling around and she bumped really hard into this ironing board. And I don't even know how to describe to you this almost like precog moment for myself where I saw that the point of this iron was falling straight down to the side of my sister's head, right in her temples. I dropped the clothes. I flew across the room. I mean, it was a good 15 feet. And I don't even know how I did this. All I say is by the grace of God. And I grabbed the handle of this iron in midair, probably an inch or two from her temple. And the look of shock on both of our faces and my sister standing up going, you saved my life. And you know what? I kind of felt I did, or at least major disfigurement. Miracles happen. All right, we're going to go to our first break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Stay right there. There's more Heidi coming right up. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. 
the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) Today we are talking all about miracles because it is the season and voila, it is my one year anniversary show. And I'm having a blast because (laughs) I think it's it's a joyous occasion on multiple levels for me. I mean, we're close to my favorite holiday, the Christmas season, and, uh, you know, kicking it off. (laughs) We're having a great time. I just shared a a very, very special miracle that happened between myself and my younger sister. And, uh, you know, it was such a, a moment of clarity that there are other powers at work here. I call it God. Others call it other things. Um, But there is no way I would have the reflex to even do that um, to save my sister from a falling hot, heavy iron. Um, You know, it's like the awareness, the, the speed, the agility, so precise. I could have really burned myself very badly grabbing that any other way than how I perfectly grabbed it in the air. Um, You know, these miracles happen. But do we really pay attention? Do we share these things? Do we talk about them widely? I don't think I've ever spoken about this on the air. But it's those little miracles that I think we really should pay attention and start sharing more often. Because when you do that, it expands our knowledge. It expands our understanding that we are part of something here. We're part of something and we can react to something that is outside of ourselves. What is that? I don't know. You know, I have a website called paranormalpledge.com. And I'd love if you go there and join my Facebook group called The Same Thing. Because Paranormal Pledge is all about taking the pledge to speak about your experiences. Raise your right hand and say, I am going to share it with at least one other person. And that is also includes miracles, anything out of the ordinary. Because I think that throughout history, since mankind first crawled and walked, I think we've been part of a bigger picture 
but we just shut it off. We don't talk about it. We don't expand upon it in our conversations. I don't know why. Uh, I think I had a unique situation growing up with a lot of siblings who were very painfully honest about what we were experiencing when it came to our haunted, haunted house. And then my life continued to be what I thought was haunted. Um, but uh, it's actually turned out to be pretty miraculous. And uh, I have written about it in columns and books and spoken about it on the air and television shows. And it just always seems to get my my blood flowing. Like, I, I'm so excited to share these things, especially the more positive stuff, because yeah, yeah, I named, defined, trademark, Shadow People Hat Man. I get it. People want to talk to me about the demonic stuff. But let me tell you, the positive, good Jesus angel near-death experience, heaven traveling stuff is a lot more fun for me, but I like helping in general. So opening up people's eyes to these topics, I could do it in my sleep, and I think I actually do. (laughs) I really do. That's another story. Um, But, uh, you know, I wanted to share a story that I came across online, and uh, I think that you'll enjoy this. This comes from guideposts.com, and uh, it has the name Callie Hardig on here. And this story is, you just got to listen. Okay, so this says, in July of 2013, the 12-year-old Callie Hardig visited a water park. A few days later, her parents were rushing her to the hospital. She was complaining of a headache and had a fever of 103 degrees. Tests revealed that Callie had contracted parasitic meningitis. It's a rare infection by brain-eating amoebas. It's also a very deadly one. Now, Callie was quickly put on antibiotics, but her doctors prepared her family for the worst. Even with the treatment, the infection survival rate was less than 1% at the time. In the entire North America, only two people were known to have survived, but Callie would become the third. Not only that, but six months later, she'd made a complete recovery. Quote, it was God's grace, Dr. Matt Lindman said in an interview with Reader's Digest when asked how Callie survived. He continues, other than that, it was countless little things that went her way, countless little miracles that happened every day and made the difference between life and death. You know, I have to tell you, working in the medical field for quite some time as I have, as an occupational therapist, I have witnessed miracles that would just blow people away, just blow people away. And um, it's amazing to me again, for those that I have worked with over the years, those that have experienced these things directly we don't really talk about it so much among ourselves. It's almost like to be expected when you're in the field of medicine. Like, you see it happen, you might have a couple of mentions about it, and they just kind of move on to the next person because there are things that go on that just are unexplainable. Absolutely. And uh, one of them that I had heard of, and I'll change some facts and keep it uh, anonymous, uh, but this was not from a patient that I had. Um, but I, I'd heard of this one where uh, a patient 
that was completely paralyzed. And, and actually, this is, a, this is interesting. I met a patient who was a speaker who would share his story about what he experienced. And this is nearly identical. And both of them paralyzed from the neck down. And uh, I, I'm not sure if they were dependent on a, a ventilator or, or anything like that, but because uh, I didn't know them and they didn't speak in regards to that. But oftentimes uh, that may be the case where they can't breathe on their own and uh, they might have a little shoulder movement or, or none at all. And um, this one said that, you know, I, I was determined. I was like, no way, no way. I am not going to remain this way. And he got, you know, spoken to and lectured to just accept what's going on. Obviously, you're in shock and you're depressed and counseled him. And he's like, no, I am going to will myself to start moving. And uh, do you know, he did. He overcame and he was able to get his upper body back to practically normal. And his lower body never quite came back fully. But guess what? He was able to walk with the use of crutches. Crutches! Not, not a walker. Crutches. That was a miracle. And the other one, he was not able to feed himself even. He was paralyzed from the neck down. And he remained in that condition for quite some time. Months, months and months. And uh, he said that, I prayed. I prayed God just, just one hand, one hand. That's all I need, just one hand. If I could just get one hand to move, it, it would change everything. And he said, night and day, that was all he thought of. He prayed and prayed and prayed it over. Very independent person prior and uh, had a very strange situation where they became paralyzed. And uh, imagine this, going to bed and waking up the next day and both of your hands came back normal. No explanation for it. No explanation for it. I, I don't know how long they were not moving, but I did hear it was months and months. Imagine that. Imagine that. The miracles that go on. I, I have had uh, little miracles of patients who are just like, well, you know, uh, you're going to be on these uh, antibiotics for, I don't know, a month or two. And all of a sudden they are free of their infection with no explanation. Fever's gone. Everything's gone. Their energy's back. They're eating. It's a miracle. I've known and heard of patients who have had major strokes, unable to speak or comprehend. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but it depends on the side of your stroke. If you're able to speak or comprehend even what people are saying to you if it's a major enough stroke. And it is absolutely devastating. Imagine that. Everything sounds like a word salad, gobbledygook. And they're speaking gobbledygook, though it may make sense to them, but nobody else is understanding what they're saying. 
And then all of a sudden, to get their speech back. I had one that I knew of that was unable to speak. Okay, this the first I got to back this up. Strokes. The doctors would often say, you don't recover uh, fully if you don't do it within a year's time. You probably won't get that function back. But they're starting to learn that that's not the case. But imagine, I knew a patient that the story was I heard of from way back, many, 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 many years ago, uh, unable to speak for several years. All of a sudden, a medical professional walks into their room. They're like, hey, how you doing? Just perfectly normal, able to understand and able to speak absolutely clearly out of nowhere. Absolute miracle many years not able to speak and they felt they were speaking clear the whole time but nobody understood them and all of a sudden everybody's understanding and it was just this little celebration of like wow we we can get to know who this person is and and what they're thinking and you know the miracles you guys they're going on all the time we just have to pay attention to them and uh, start sharing them more All right, we're going to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around because I will... Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone 
employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Heidi and Dark Becomes Light on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) Today is my one-year anniversary, and uh, I'm telling you, we're talking about miracles because it is the season, and wow, it's more uplifting to talk about the light than the dark. But hey, this is Dark Becomes Light, isn't it? So we're always putting on the light, no matter what it is. And, uh, you know, I have a very, very personal story that I'm going to share here during our last segment uh, when it comes to miracles. And um, I'm telling you, these things shape lives. They save lives. And uh, if we continue to share these stories and grow with these stories and allow them to be a part of us, I think we could really flip this world on its side and uh, tickle the underbelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that. Okay. <laughs> All right. You guys, I have another miraculous story that I came across that I think you will appreciate. And uh, this one comes to us from learnreligions.com. And it states, at approximately four in the morning, my phone rang, writes Heffen. It was my sister calling from across the country. Her voice trembled, and she was near tears. She told me she had a vision of me being in a car accident. She didn't say whether or not I was killed in it, but the sound of her voice made me think she did believe this, but was afraid to tell me. She told me to pray, and she said she would pray for me. She told me to be careful, and maybe to take another route to work anything I could do. I told her I believed her, 
and would call our mother and ask her to pray with us. I left for work at the hospital, terrified, but strengthened in the spirit. I went to talk to patients about some concerns, and as I was leaving, a man sitting in a wheelchair near the door called to me. I went to him, expecting that he had a complaint against the hospital. He told me God had given him a message that I would be in a car accident. Oh my goodness. He said someone not paying attention would hit me. I was so shocked, I almost fainted. (laughs) I can't imagine. He said he would pray for me and that God loved me. I felt weak in the knees as I left the hospital. I drove like an old lady as I observed every intersection, stop sign, and stoplight. When I got home, I called my mom and sister and told them I was fine. The message got across, right? Miracle? Miraculous? You tell me. It comes across as, well, that could just be a coincidence. I don't know about that. Believe it or not, I had something similar when it came to my younger sister. And uh, I had a dream that she pulled up into a gas station and somebody tried to carjack her in the car and pulled out a gun. I woke up in tears and uh, I called her like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, I don't know what it was, but I mean, I had this. It was so vivid. It was so fresh on my mind and, and lips. And I'm like, just told her, please, 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 if you can avoid going to a gas station, you know, go to a, if you have to go to a, a well-lit one, go with somebody, uh, be careful when you're pulling up anywhere, you know, lock your doors. And she took me serious. She's experienced things for herself. And I never say that I'm a psychic or anything like that. I don't know what these things are. I think we all are capable of experiencing and understanding and getting messages in all sorts of methods and manners. And uh, so she took me serious. Thank goodness. Did she and I avoid something happening to her? I'd like to think so. I like to think that if we pay attention to these hints, we don't know where they may lead. And that was a very big one to me. So like when I saw this story, I'm like, wow, that is uh, absolutely something that I can relate to because I think it's real. For some, it doesn't seem like a big major miracle to have happen, but we never know. Was that something that was given from above? That it really helped avoid an untimely death? Because you hear of these stories where people have near-death experiences and it's like, well, why did they have a near-death experience? They crossed over and was told, oh, it's not your time, or oops, we'll just tuck you right back on into that body. That's kind of a puzzling situation, isn't it? So why wasn't that accident avoided then? You know, if that wasn't supposed to happen, if God or angels or Jesus or whomever else, your past loved one said, oh, oh, wow, you're here already. Um, Not your time. Um, Sorry about that. Tuck, 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 back into the body you go. So why not get these warnings? Why not get the hint? Take a left, please. Don't take a right. 
I, I don't think that they need to be knocked unconscious and battered in order to get that message. So um, I think that's an area that doesn't get explored enough, to be honest. It's like, why does this keep happening? And, and oh, this is an interesting thing. I wish I could recall the name of what this was. But I came across uh, some interesting research that in Egypt and in other sacred religious sites, uh, there were these chambers that were found uh, with these uh, certain vessels where poison was put into them. And nominees to have this great awakening uh, would drink from this poison, this poisonous cup. And they would be locked into this chamber and, and, uh, if they survived, like they were forcing themselves essentially to have near death experiences. Okay. Uh, wasn't there a movie called Flatliners where they did that? It's like, go and experience this. And if you survive, you know, you'll be really enlightened. I swear, just try it. <laughs> and uh, so the people that came back, they came back with secrets, they came back with understandings of mysteries and helped form mystery schools. is that something? Where they got this hidden secret knowledge. I mean, imagine you go to the other side, you're like, oh, it's not your time. You made it. Oh, okay. Well, show me around here. What does heaven look like? Oh, wow. Some people see heaven. Some people see this. Some people see that. Different creatures, different understandings. Some people come back with a lot of understandings, or you feel like you understand the universe only to have it taken away. I'm sure you've heard of that as well, right? I know I have. Uh, So imagine if hundreds, maybe thousands of people kept doing this over the centuries. How many, how many bits of understandings of the universe did they capture? These very strange practices that we don't understand that happened during uh, ancient times where they're sacrificing children or other people, or they have these strange drawings of creatures that were like, wow, they just made that one up. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were pulling in this information and who knows if they met the good or the bad side, because guess what? Not all of these near-death experiences are positive and fluffy. Um, and not all of them are human either. Many people see various creatures, alien creatures, and even biblically, these things have been documented and people have visions of the other side and they're not very human looking. So who were they speaking to? Were these negative beings that said, hey, why don't you, uh, I don't know, sacrifice a few thousand people in my honor? You know, when people give you the stink eye or what's that called? The evil eye. That's believed, right? People feel when you put something evil and people feel when you pray. It builds you up. So if these are spiritual creatures that are interdimensional that can feel energy and we could feel energy too. We could come into a room and know if it's good or bad, right? And these beings are having thousands of lives sacrificed in the name with that mindset. This is all for them. Ooh, you are building up not more than just ego. You're building up a powerhouse where they may think, I don't know, they're a god. Do you see where I'm going? (laughs) So, When we put good intentions towards something, prayers and protection, and I think we avoid things. I think there's less, oops, 
did you cross over? Oh, we got to put you back. And I think there's something to these deities that are put all over the ancient world. And we wonder how that happened. Oh, you guys practice a voluntary suicide in hopes that you come back with information. Perhaps they did these little um, methods. So it's like, okay, I got this part of the puzzle. When you like poison yourself, can you focus on this other side of the puzzle? Because I really need that. I really need that. And then we could just like write this book and we're going to only share it with our little group of friends here. All right. And we're going to pass this along. And I don't know, we might hide this information in caves. Hmm. Could be. Could be. And uh, if somebody invades us or if we invade somebody else, we'll keep this information to ourselves. We'll just steal theirs because this wasn't just happening in one area of the world. How many thousands of years were they doing this? So people have formed secret societies. That sounds weird, right? Secret societies. Um, But they have. They have these little get-togethers. You know any? Hmm. I know some. Um, There's some really popular ones. We just are not mysterious. We have our secrets for our own reasons. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Everybody can join the club? No. Okay. Um, so we have to, we have to understand that um, secrets are kept for a reason. There is hidden knowledge and understandings of miracles and how humankind can focus our energy towards goodness. Why else do we pray? Why else do we wish somebody good luck? We are putting a part of ourselves to make a better outcome. And miracles also happen in the mix of that. And we get hits from this other side. We, they say, oh, we've got uh, all this uh, cells in our brains that are not meant to be uh, used. You know, it's just empty and empty DNA. I call that's not accurate. <laughs> I was going to call it another word. But anyways, you guys know what I'm talking about. Focus, put the miracles forward. All right, we're going to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. Hang in there. Heidi's coming right back on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. 
tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's George Nori, and thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Here we go with more Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. To my one-year anniversary show, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM <laughs> Paranormal Podcast Network. We are speaking of miracles because it just feels right. <laughs> and uh, I enjoy talking about these things. And uh, I hope, I hope that it's sinking in to let people know that we are miraculous ourselves. The human potential is something to be reckoned with, even in the face of dark things, okay? These things have to work really, really hard to get at us. Some people are like, why me? I must have done something bad to attract hat man or shadow people and all these different things. And I'm finding nine times out of 10, that is not the case. It's usually that the person is so bright and is so talented or gifted in being able to sense different things, see different things, that these things hone in on you. So I always say take it as a compliment. <laughs> if you know that you haven't been playing and dabbling in dark crafts, yeah, that can attract it. Um, but if you know that is not the case for yourself, then you are some prize to be had because... We have potentials. We have intentions that can be measured. People that get sick and get prayed for 
and people that have identical diagnoses, the person prayed for gets better faster, has better outcomes. This has been proven scientifically. So what is that? What is that? What's that inside of us that's able to do that? I am thinking that is the God particle. And I mean like that little bit of sunlight that comes from him, that little spark that makes us a little bit more extraordinary than we give ourselves credit for. Why don't we do that? Because there are clubs to keep that away. Some people like to naysay and say, well, it's all the churches. Oh, it's all the, the this or all of that. And I'm like... Whatever it is, there are still people behind it. Not everybody is as nice and thoughtful and giving and sharing when they get a leg up in the world. I don't know if you knew that, um, <laughs> but it's usually mankind that has done this to each other. And uh, But also, they listen to bad influences. Here I was speaking of people who did this whole almost like flatliner thing where they would allow themselves to have near-death experiences by drinking poison so they could see what's on the other side. And then they would keep that within their group. Maybe they initially did it because who's going to believe what they saw unless they did it themselves and were able to come back from the poisoning and recover and share the knowledge Maybe they just had one person in the group go down the the drinking of the poison and while well, everybody watched and documented because they might not recover really well, you know? Mysteries. Absolutely mysteries. But also, what dark things were waiting for them and said, pray to me and I will give you great things. And uh, they did, didn't they? I'm pretty sure that they did. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of reasons behind why humankind is no longer in touch with their faculties and their abilities. But I think we're having a rebound because we are sharing. We're sharing what's going on with ourselves, right? We're opening up more to this. And I don't mean like make it a faith, make it a belief, make it this or that. A realization, the facts, that's all. That's all. There is something more to us. Now, I said I was going to share about a major miracle in my life that happened to me when I was quite young, and I'm going to share that right now because uh, I have shared about this in um, one of my books or two, <laughs> and uh, this was something that happened to me when I was quite young, and uh, imagine this, my mom, she's telling me and my sister to get ready to go to the movies with her. And we're really young and we're like, ah, okay, okay, okay. You know, she's like, come on, we can't be late for the movies. Get ready, get ready. And, you know, get my clothes, get my hair done. And my sister, and I'm trying to help her get ready so we're not late. Get her shoes on. And um, my mom, she's got her coat on. We got our coat on. We're walking out the door, okay? My mom takes one step over the threshold onto the porch to go outside. She brings her other foot close to the other one and she abruptly stops. And I mean, when she abruptly stopped, it was so hard of a stop that my head hit her backside and my sister's head hit the back of mine. It was like uh, one of those like cartoon moves, boom, 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 like a domino. And we're like rubbing our heads like, ow, oh my gosh, you know, mom, why'd you stop like that? And I realized she's not, she's not looking at us. 
And I look at her and she's looking up to the night sky as if she sees something. And I look past her. I'm like, what is she looking at? And before I knew it, she spins around really quickly and she bends down to my level. And she goes to me and my sister, you know, I don't think you girls should come with me tonight. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) We just got ready. We're so ready to go. We're absolutely going, you know? And, uh, you know, of course, we had our little itty-bitty fits. Like, come on, Mom. Are you serious? And she had this really dazed look on her face. Like, no, 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 I don't think you should come. And it was almost like she was guided, warned, even. And we really were in disbelief. Like, is she really doing this to us? Like, we're pretty well behaved at the movies. You know, was it something we did? We just couldn't understand. And she quickly just kind of closed the door behind her and walked out. And she she looked dazed. She really did. And she just... And we're standing there, like, with our coats on, our shoes on, and we're looking at each other like, what just happened here? What just happened? We never saw her again. Uh, My mom went to the movies and on her way back uh, had a heart event and uh, lost control of the car and ran into a building. So she was comatose and then soon passed. Back then, it wasn't so much a big deal and it wasn't mandated to wear a seatbelt. My mom had one on, but us kids, you know, crawling all over, woohoo, having a good old time. A seatbelt was mom catching us if she took an abrupt stop, (laughs) you know. So um, more than likely, me and my sister would not have had a seatbelt on. And more than likely, we would not have survived the very impactful accident that she had. She saved our lives. She saved our lives. And who and whatever intervened in what took place, what she saw, I don't know. What she felt, I don't know. All I know is her actions saved us. And I would be (laughs) non-existent today. And um, it always makes me wonder, what was it? What what took place? And um, I don't know if I've spoken about that ever on a program, um, but really, really uh, moving and really touching for myself and uh, very personal because miracles happen. Miracles happen. And sometimes when you bump into a person, you don't know that they may not have been here if that little miracle didn't happen. So are we guided? Are we guided? We, we must be, right? We must be guided because how do these things happen? And, and to how many of us? How many of us have these experiences and don't talk? I, like I said, I don't think I've spoken these words. I've written them, but I don't know if I've spoken them like on the air. But it's miraculous, It's very miraculous. And um, I I think that a lot of us have steered clear of horrific things a lot of the time. And and we hear uh, so much more about the horrific things. (laughs) But how many horrific things did we avoid because of intervention? 
I think there's an invention that uh, is uh, so minor, such a little move. Like we, we never know when we do something what the ripple effect will be. Like how did my action to uh, kick a stone off a path so somebody wouldn't stumble on it? Uh, how many people were made to be safe because I did that little simple act? We, we just don't know. Uh, I don't know when I write something or I sit down here to talk if this is exactly what somebody needed to hear to get through their days. I I have heard from people t- who tell me that, and and I'm always just mesmerized and moved, and it always seems to me that uh, I get these messages right when I need it the most. Like, gosh, did I say the right stuff to that was that moving enough? Did that did that work? Did that help? And and that's why I write the different types of things that I do in hopes that maybe this is the perspective somebody needed to hear. Maybe this is it. You know, maybe I could reach out to the kids through my cartooning. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like I'm always juggling and moving and trying to get things right in order to uh, expand the mindset out there, expand the horizons, and to get people to realize that we're special. So if nobody has told you that before... I'm telling you now, you're special. I'm special. Everybody's special. And uh, the more that we realize that, I think the closer that we get to becoming who we really are supposed to be, which are multidimensional, multilayered, wonderful people, if we allow it and if we start sharing more and more about what's going on in our daily lives when it comes to the mysteries unfolding in our lives and the miracles when they speak to us. Remember, go to my main website, HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com and tell me what's going on out there. Give me your insight. Give me your research. Be a guest or just write about it. And I will be sure to share that here on the show. It's my one year anniversary. And guess what? It's many more shows to come. And I want to thank you all for listening and uh, your feedback. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get deeper because... Hey, that's what I'm here for. And I think you're here as well to share and expand the knowledge. All right, you guys, I hope you have a most blessed Christmas and holiday season. You have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll see you next time and the next time and the next time. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.